Well, good morning, everybody. How, how are you? Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Does anybody love? I mean, I'm telling, like, in the middle of summer, and it's hot. And you're like, I just can't wait for winter. Is there anybody in here that's like, wow? Aren't you really glad you were you live in Michigan? So I'm not from Michigan. I'm from Illinois, and I've lived here for six years. And every year around February, I start having this internal thing where I go, I need warmth or I might freeze to death, you know? Um, and my wife reminds me, uh, you'll have to wait till May. And, and that's usually, she's right. But uh, um, one of the things I wanna, I wanna teach you guys is, now, you know how in Michigan, when you don't know where you are, you hold your hand up and you say, um, this is where I'm from, or you know, the, the palm. In Illinois, you know, you know what we do? We hold our feet up and we point, no, we don't actually do that. I should, actually, I should have told you we do that, so if you ever meet someone from Illinois, you'd be like, well, where are you from? And they'd be like, my pastor told me that. Pastor lied to you. Um, would you open with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, please? We are continuing in our series on gratitude. It's our third weekend, and um, we've got a lot of work to do today. Uh, now, in my household, we have a very special time every single day. Special time. It happens every day. It's a clockwork. It's called uh, the wonder of dinner time. The wonder of dinner time. And if anybody in the room connects or resonates, it's totally legal to give an amen, shout hallelujah, you know, put holy hands in the air. Um, but there's always that moment in dinner time when the meal that we've slaved over that we've toiled over has been set out front of the family. And at that moment that it's been set out there and it's steaming and the, the plates are looking really good and everybody's happy at that moment and the kids look at it, there's always that moment where we are wondering, what are the kids gonna say? And I'd say, you know, a good amount of time the kids will do this thing where they decide, for whatever reason, I'm not going to eat what has been put in front of me. I'm not gonna eat it. I'm, I'm just Either I had a whole bag of Doritos before dinner, and you know, I'm full, or either I don't know where that came from, I don't know what country that's from, and I'm not ingesting it at all. Like, I don't know, it's different every time, but if you're like me, you've got a bag of tools that you often will go to to try to help your children understand it's good to eat what's in front of you, right? And so in this bag of tools, I've got a few patented sayings that I wonder, maybe you've said these things too. Um, Here's, here's a tried and true one that I, I just think eventually it's going to work. Uh, do you know how long it took me or your mother to make this? Do you know how long it took? To this day, my children have never looked at me and said, oh, yeah, good point, Dad. I, I'm hungry all of a sudden. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat this. Or I remember, I, I've used this a few times, when I was a kid, and that's usually a terrible start, when I was a kid, I had to eat everything, and my parents made me garbage. You know, they, like, I, this is good, this is actually good food. And I had to eat everything when I was a kid. Why don't you eat? That doesn't work either. Um, here's one that I, I think I use this at least once a week. It is, do you realize that there are starving people in China, right? And I'm telling you, I don't know why I think it's eventually going to work. It hasn't worked yet. Um, did, has anybody ever used that before? Oh, yeah. I, I've even tried, I've even tried conning them, like, you know, 
I'm pretty sure Steph Curry eats this food every night and look how good he is at basketball. You know, that, that doesn't work either. But the reason I'm telling this is because there are so many levers we pull as parents to try to, our, try to get our kids to do something. And similarly, as we discuss this topic of gratitude, there are just as many things we can do to push people to be grateful, to be grateful, as if people need to be pushed to be grateful. So for the past two weeks, Chris has been setting this up. He's been setting this up. Literally, he's been setting the Thanksgiving table. And here's what's been standing out to me. Here's what's been standing out to me. It's one thing to tell people, you should just be grateful. We live in America. It's a you know, land of the free. You know, Jesus Christ died for your sins. You know, what are you going to do for him? Just, just be grateful, people. Come on, get with the program. It's one thing to tell people, just be grateful, to compel them, to push them, to guilt them, like trying to convince your kid to eat food that they don't want to eat. It's a whole nother thing to discover, and this is what we've been learning, that there's a beautiful cabin in the mountains. Remember, remember Chris, the first week of the series, was talking about that cabin in the mountains with, the, with the, the fridge full of food, with the pantry full of food, with the wood stove that's just so hot and it's got seasoned and split wood. There's a snowmobile, there's skis. He didn't say this, but I added in my own you know, fantasy, there's this giant hot tub of jets, you know, and it's just, it's perfect, it's perfect, it's perfect. And when you discover that this place has been given to you at no personal cost, freely given, freely offered, all you need to do is say yes. And get on the plane and go, all you need to do is say yes. You can and you will experience real gratitude. No guilt, no shame, no pushes. You're just, you're just ready, you're receiving it, you're there. Friends, what he was saying then and what I'm saying now, this is the gospel reality. This is the gospel truth that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension has purchased, sorry, his resurrection and his ascension has purchased for his people the abundant life, the invincible life, the indestructible life. As Paul saw it, the eternal riches of this mystery, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the glorious of these riches, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see those words there? Riches, eternity, Christ in me, hope, glory. This is why last week Chris looked at Romans 12 and he said, in view of this mercy, in view of how deep this goes and how far this goes, seeing the truth, knowing the truth, eternity laid before us, what other response can we have than sheer and utter gratitude? It's done. D-O-N-E, done. But here's the deal. We're not done. We still have work to do. Uh, we still have to set about the task of learning how to put this on and practice this daily, right? Because I'm still human. I'm still a person. I'm still occasionally going to do things that are contrary to the character of Christ. And I need to practice a new way because if I don't, I won't. All of us. If we don't, we won't. And so we've got work to do. And here's some, here, there's a reason behind this. And this is something if you spend time with me or if I get the chance to preach again, this is something you're going to hear me say a lot. All of us, even the best of us, even John the Baptist, we all live either by default or by design. We all live by default or design. What do I mean by this? What do I mean by default or design? Let me tell you a quick story. So when I proposed to my wife, 
my amazing wife Danielle. I so I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a very imaginative, romantic kind of person, and I knew I'm going to do an amazing proposal that she is never going to forget. And I, and I honestly can say I don't think we'll ever forget this because it was so amazing, even though it bombed on several occasions. So basically, here's the gist of it. I set up an elaborate plan that involved uh, different modes of transportation. One of the modes was our feet. We were going to walk on a trail, and we were just so happy uh, going to find some bikes that I set against a tree in Rockford. And we were going to get on the bikes, and the whole while I'm telling the scripted like story of like very poetic about a journey in life, and we're, we're going through life, and, and I'm saying all this stuff. So as we're riding up the White Pine Trail, all of a sudden, we happen upon a boat that I had put in the river there. And this is part of the plan. I borrowed this boat from Daniel's grandpa Dick. She had no idea, or his grandpa's friend Dick. I borrowed this boat and I put it in the river. I also set up a picnic partway down the, the river. I actually trespassed through someone's lawn and hacked through their woods, and I made a picnic area for us to, to enjoy this picnic. So the plan was we will take the boat to the picnic, and then we'll take the boat back to Rockford, and then we'll go home and be engaged. There's a couple miscalculations I made. One, um, I thought that miles in a boat is, is about five miles, um, or five minutes per mile. I don't know why I was thinking that. I was thinking it's two miles from where we're at to Rockford, so it's going to be about ten minutes. It turns out it was more like an hour and a half. The second thing I found out was it's, it's going to rain, and it's going to thunderstorm, and we're in a boat. We're in a metal boat. And here's the third thing I realized. So I'm from Illinois. I said that, right? Now, I know Michigan is the land of 9,999 lakes, rivers, streams, ponds, all these bodies of water. You know that there is no water in Illinois. There are only cornfields. And so I got into the rowboat with Danielle, and I sort of did that thing like all people do when you've never done something before, and you go, I think I did no, I can't. And I realized, she realized, he doesn't know how to row this boat. And so she actually had to get in the seat of the rowing the boat to our own proposal. And she rowed us all the way to Rockford. As I sat in like the, I sat in like the, the front like this. Like, she is so, but she said yes. She said yes. And she knew from the get-go, this is how life is going to be with this guy. But the point I'm leading to, the, the, the reason I tell this story, is without Danielle's assistance, like let's just say we got in the boat and she didn't know what she was doing, we would probably still be in the boat. We would live in a boat. We'd be those people. But without her assistance taking us somewhere, we would have just gone wherever the river took us. We would have just, we would have ended up on the side somewhere. We would have been stuck. We would have had to call somebody. Um, and just like a boat with no one rowing, our lives can easily, it, it, it's really not hard for our lives to do this. Actually, the opposite takes work. This takes no work at all. Our lives can easily exist like a boat just drifting, default. Just going the way it's going to go. And, and you know what that feels like? It feels like just agreeing with any thought you have. Agreeing with anything you just feel like saying. I just, you know, I, I'm just going to say this because I thought it. And I'm pretty smart. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I, I went to school. Um, I'm an adult, you know, I can talk to my kids however I want to talk to them, you know. I can talk to my coworkers and tell whatever story I want to tell. You know, it's funny, we're laughing. I can watch whatever show or something on the internet that I want to watch because, you know what, I deserve it. And what I want to say is that is what I call default living. When we're not asking the question. When we're disagreeing with whatever thought, idea, or desire we have. Because we have it. But what we need to hear is that Jesus Christ, in his perfect wisdom, 
intended for us to escape destructive default patterns of thinking and living. And he gave us a design for life. He gave us a really good design for life. And some people will try to convince you. They'll like, they will argue with you and say, you're shackled when you're a Christian. You're, you're, you're living this moral lifestyle and it's just, you're, you're, you're in prison. And I would actually say, no, I think it's the people that give themselves free reign to do whatever they want. They're the ones shackled because it's Groundhog Day. You're stuck in a loop. Every day is the same as the last. You're saying yes to the same things. You have no control over what happens next and you're just stuck. But in Jesus Christ's world and in his economy and his design, you're not stuck anymore. You've been free to live this amazing life and to go where he tells you to go and do what he tells you to do, and it's incredible. But I want you to hear how he views a design for life. Listen to Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Luke 8, 21. My, I should be changing these slides, but I keep forgetting. i got to do this. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into practice. Who's my family, Jesus says? Those who hear what I say, those who hear what the word says, and says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen. And then lastly, as Jesus is telling his disciples to go make disciples, how do you make disciples? Teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Does it say teach them to obey some of the things? Teach them to obey the convenient things? No, everything I have commanded. And this sort of lifestyle, this sort of design, it's not fruitless. It's not impossible. It's not drudgery. Actually, what Jesus knows, because Jesus is the smartest, strongest, and greatest man who's ever lived and will ever live. What Jesus knows is how human life goes best. And what he gave us are his commands to follow and to do and his design for life. And this is what I mean by design. So Jesus has a design for your life that is incredibly powerful, possible, and practical. But where I want to focus today is his design for our life is, oh shoot, I, just you wait. You're, you're wondering, why did he put that picture up? You'll find out in a second. Everybody just got really confused. Um, uh, his design for our life is practicable. It's practicable. We can actually take the things he has given us and we can begin, just like a sport or a hobby or an instrument or a language, we can practice them. And what he's wanting us, I believe, to practice today is to practice what we've been learning about gratitude. So let's go ahead and set our minds on that. I'm going to pray and we're going to open back up to Proverbs chapter 3. So Lord, I thank you for, Lord, I thank you for you. I thank you that you've called us here today. And that we get to set about the task of learning from you how to live. I pray, God, that uh, if anybody feels unworthy, if anybody feels that they are incapable, I pray, God, that you would know that you would teach them that your grace is greater than their sin, than their shame, than their guilt and their fear. And I pray that they would receive from you license to step into this life with you, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so if you're wondering why all of a sudden you saw a picture of a bathroom, uh, here's why. Who has ever heard of a life hack before? A life hack. Yeah, one person. Christy has heard of a life hack. Yeah, so, yeah, usually young people know what life hacks are. You see these on YouTube. You see these all over the place in memes. But life hacks are basically things that are supposed to make life simpler. 
more efficient, easier, things that you've never thought of before that are just supposed to make things just uh, more ideal. And I want to show you a couple of them. Here's one. Uh, use a clean dustpan clean dust to fill a container that doesn't fit in the sink. Have you ever wondered how to fill a container with one of those sinks? Check it out. That's how you do it. That's a life hack that makes life easier. Here's another one. I think this one's really special. It's, uh, you know, after you've used your toilet paper, <laughs> put it around your phone where you put your face, and uh, it'll make the, uh, the iPhone speaker louder. It will. This works. It really works. Um, and here's one that I think is just so incredibly useful. If ever you don't want to eat your Doritos, you can use them to kindle a fire. Um, which I think is amazing, because if you're camping and you're using Doritos to kindle a fire, you just need to look at there's trees around you. Um, but Doritos work too. Doritos work as well. Um, so, sorry, I, I am so flustered right now. <laughs> um, on this topic of gratitude, all of us actually have a life hack. We have a life hack that will work and will work and will work. And I, for the longest time in my Christian life, I always felt like I was kind of bouncing between like confessing my sin and struggling or trying to be holy. And I never had what I believed to be kind of an anchor point that always kind of kept me and held me in place. And the verse I'm about to give you is one that for me for years has helped me, guide me, anchor me in a tremendous and amazing way. And it's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So let's read this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This will never get old. This will never get old. This will never stop being true. And what I love about this verse is that you see in it, you see all the parts of who you are. Because we, we're, we're dynamic, we're, we're complicated, but it says that we have a heart, we have a mind, we have a will, we also have a path. And what this teaches us is we can conform and transform all this in a way that will serve and honor God in an amazing way. But for the sake of what we are accomplishing today, I just want to focus on one part of this. Just one part of it. And the part I want to focus on is the part that says, in all your ways, acknowledge all your ways acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge someone? What does it mean to acknowledge someone? I remember the very first time I saw my wife. I remember where we were. We were in a coffee shop in Chicago. She came walking in. She had these chopsticks in her hair. Remember the chopsticks? She remembers the chopsticks. I remember the chopsticks. And so I just see this, this person, and I noticed her. And here was what went through my head. It is now my job to get her to notice me. It's, it became my career, it became my job, it became what I was gonna be good at. I'm gonna get her to notice me, and so in my imagination, I figured the best way to get her to notice me was kind of to be where she was before she was there. And so in order to do that, I had to kind of learn her patterns. And this is, there's a whole creepy story about how I did this. Um, and I'm not gonna bore you with those details, but basically, just. I happened to just kind of be where she was at certain times, dressed really well, carrying a leather satchel that she made fun of the first time I met her. Um, and actually, one of the times I, I, you know, I tried to talk about smart things when I, I knew I was around her, or cool things. And I don't know why I thought this was cool, but I remember one day I started speaking French, and I don't really speak French, but I thought this might really impress her. And you know what? 
she's my wife now. So I think it actually, <laughs> I think it worked. She does not ask me to speak French to her, um, but she knows that I can. So I, no I noticed her, I wanted her to notice me, and similar to that, uh, man, I'm off base again. In me trying to get her to acknowledge me, I needed her to turn her attention towards me. And similarly, we need to turn our attention towards the Lord. I think one of the things that we often kind of wait for is, I think sometimes we're waiting for God to call us on the phone and say, hey, how you doing? What you doing today? It doesn't work like that. One, I think we're just too distracted. We're too busy. I think God is actually always communicating to us and always telling us things and always teaching us things. But often we're just too busy or we're too hurried or we're too worried. But one of the ways we can begin to lock in on him is to stop what we're doing, set it down for a second, and acknowledge him. It takes time. It takes intention. It takes energy. And this verse is actually showing us how we go about stopping and turning to the Lord, acknowledging his presence, acknowledging his wisdom, acknowledging his power and his help. And this verse even tells us how we ought to do this. Look what it says. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. And I, I want to look at that word all for a second, because it's really important. And, and it's Trevor Miller in the room. Trevor. Trevor, if you don't know Trevor, which I think you do, he's a, he's a Greek scholar. I think he's a Hebrew scholar. Um, do you speak French? He doesn't speak French. I'll teach you French. Um, but the word all in Hebrew, Trevor, do you know what the word all actually, if you break it down and really get into the, the grammar, do you know what the word all means? It actually, no, it, it actually just means all. It, it, it actually, it means all. So when it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, you know what it literally means? In all your ways, in all your ways, in all your decisions, in all your habits, in all your hobbies, in all your conversations, in all your coming and going, driving, walking, sleeping, showering, taco making, love making, scrapbooking, basketball playing, treehouse building, acknowledge him. You heard me say scrapbooking and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. Does he scrapbook? I do. Um, and I think when we, I do, I do. And when we hear language like this in the Bible, I just want to call it out because we, I think we do this. When we hear language like this in the Bible, in all your ways, or there's another verse that I've, I've gone, huh, when it says pray without ceasing, you know that verse? I think a lot of us, when we hear verses like that, we go, he's bluffing. Yeah, he's bluffing. God's bluffing. Or it's just hyperbole. Or, this is just for, you know, the Navy, Navy SEALs Christian, you know, the super Christians. We all know those super Christians. They go to places like seminary. You know, they, they've got, they're called reverend, right? You know, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is God bluffing? Is, you know, this just sounds unrealistic. But we need to remember this. Is, are we reading God's word? Are we reading God's word? Is this God's word? Yes, this is God's word. And let me tell you something about God. He never bluffs. He never bluffs. If it says, in all your ways acknowledge him, you know what it means? In all your ways acknowledge him. You can do this. It's possible. It's possible. Now you might be wondering, because I set this up with, this is a message on a series in gratitude. It's supposed to be about being thankful. Thanksgiving's like four days away. We've got to somehow get grateful before we meet with all of our family members and like have that crazy thing called Thanksgiving. So how are we going to 
you know, bring gratitude into this. I'm glad you asked that question. I want to show you what I believe is the New Testament equivalent of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. You might have heard this verse before. If not, I'm going to read it to you. Philippians 4. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've ever heard this preached before, or if you've ever been in a conversation with a friend, maybe you've heard this verse kind of used as some sort of a anti-anxiety public service announcement, right? Like, uh, if you're anxious, you're sinning, and if you want to know how to stop being anxious, you do this verse. And I just want to tell you, that's not what this verse is about. That's not what, the, don't do that with, don't treat this verse like that. This isn't the anti-anxiety verse. This is the pro-acknowledge verse. Look what it says. It says, rather than being anxious about anything, which is super easy to do, in every situation, in all things, does that sound familiar? In all things, by prayer and supplication. What's prayer and supplication? Talking to God acknowledging God, tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. And in what spirit or attitude are we to go to God? What does it tell us? Look what it says. With thanksgiving. With gratitude. Now, I, I totally get this when things are good. Right? This is super easy to do when things are just flowing along, we're having a good day, loving the sunshine, loving the fact that, like, oh, work was fun today. God, thank you for these rich blessings. Thank you that my kids ate their food today. We made a good meal. They liked it. But what about the other times? What about the times where gratitude is kind of the furthest thing from my mind? Or, you know, just anything other than frustrated or, or upset? This sort of thinking that is just in every situation thanking God seems a little bit fake or overconfident. How can we, in all situations, in cancer, in death, in a job loss, in our sin, in our suffering, thank God and mean it? How can we? Is it possible? It is. And the reason it is, is because, remember how we talked earlier about that, that cabin in the, in the mountains? Remember that? The reason this is possible is because that cabin in the mountains is not a place. It's a person. It's a person. It's a person who is real. It's a person who is invested in your life. It's a person who has become personal to you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And whatever is over our head is already under his feet. And we can boldly thank him because we can know and we can trust he's handling it. He's taking care of it. He's with us in it. He always has and he always will. This is why it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it won't always make sense why we're feeling this peace, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It'll hold your world together if you acknowledge him. In Proverbs it said, he will make your path straight. It doesn't mean things are going to get easier. It doesn't mean things are all of a sudden magically just going to work. What it means is the path forward is just going to become obvious. I know where to go. I know who's leading me. I know who I'm following. 
I acknowledged him. And I could be thankful for that. So in closing, I just want to give you a few tools. One thing I don't want to do, and I've loved going to church here for the past few months, I love how every week we get something super practical. I love how we don't get preached at. So if you have felt preached at this morning, I'm sorry, I'm still learning how to do this and, and learning how to be helpful. But one thing I want to be helpful in is I want to give you something to where when you leave here today, you go, I know and I now have something to do that I didn't previously have to do. And so that's what I want to give you. And I want to start with uh, practice, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Practice, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Now, we focused on that portion that says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Take the whole thing. Take the whole thing. The verse says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do you realize it is so easy? It's way easier to lean on my own understanding than anything else. I start there, right? And it, it, it's super powerful when I begin to kind of undermine that. And the work I set about doing in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening is I undermine that leaning on my own understanding. Because again, back to that default mechanism that I have at work in my mind, I like the way I think. I like my ideas. I like what I want. And sometimes I have to be suspicious of myself and say, you know what? I don't know if that's a good thing to say in this moment. One practice that I've actually brought into my marriage and into my life is I've just begun to do the thing where I've said, first thought wrong. Where if I'm in a tense moment or we're in a hard conversation and I just really want to say something that I think is just really going to nail it, it's good for me to mistrust myself enough to say, you know what, I'm going to stop and acknowledge the Lord before I say what I'm going to say. Because it might not be the best, it might not be loving, it might not be his design. And if I just took the extra time to really hone in on what his design for my life is, it'll probably go better. And so even in that mistrust of self, we're practicing Proverbs 3, but also that whole portion of acknowledging the Lord in all your ways. What would it look like today if before you did anything, you just acknowledged the Lord? You just stopped what you were doing, or while you were doing what you were doing, just acknowledged Him. You know, it could be while you're driving. It could be while you're showering. It could be while you're making tacos, whatever it might be. I, I said this last service. That I believe I'm really hungry because I keep mentioning tacos. Somebody actually bought me burritos between services. And uh, the truth is I have like a tab on, on the, the, the kitchen. And so he actually told me he took care of my tab too. So thank you for that, sir. Um, but practice Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The second thing I want to give you is keep a gratitude journal. Now I realize you're, you're going, oh great, he's one of those pastors. He's one of those pastors that keeps a diary and he writes in his diary every day. First of all, it's not a diary. It's a journal. And second of all, there's a difference. Mine doesn't have a lock and a key on it, so it's not a diary. But second of all, I, I want to be honest. I have been one of those pastors for years that, that every time the notion of a journal came up, I went, I don't need a journal. I think my thoughts. I feel my thoughts and feelings. And I don't need to write them down where somebody's going to read them. Or I'm just like, what am I writing? The air. But here's what I've come to realize. It is super helpful just to process what you're feeling and thinking, just to lay it down, just to work through it, just to write prayers. It's amazing when you begin writing your prayers out to God, the things that begin coming out and spilling out. And part of that journaling that I do daily is I journal the things I'm grateful for. And I would imagine, what if you started doing the same thing where just in your time where you have to journal and to think, 
you started listing out all the things because it is so easy in this default mode of thinking always to be so stinking dissatisfied. I don't know what it is about living where we live and, and having all that we have, but it's so easy to forget how good things are, even when it seems like we're surrounded by nothing good. And one of the things I want to show you is, look at, look at this up here. It took me a while to see what this actually said. But if you look closely, so I was talking with John, John and Sherry and Justin put this up here. And I said, John, I love that. It's beautiful fall decorations. And I noticed the cross. And I thought, you know, is that going to end up being a T in a word, maybe gratitude? And he goes, it says thanks. It's the T in thanks. And I go, oh my goodness, it says thanks. That's incredible. That's amazing. And now I, I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it. But it's super subtle. You know, you're all, I hear you all going, oh, there it is. Look at it. But just like real authentic gratitude, just like that, when we're not paying attention to it, when we're just kind of living default and we're just kind of floating through life, it is super hard to actually find anything to be grateful for. But when we start actually pressing in and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight to you know, find this, something to be grateful for, we actually find a million things to be grateful for. To the point where in my gratitude journal, I kid you not, you would think I'm an insane person. I wrote the other day, eyeballs. I am, no, seriously, think about it. Can you imagine if you were blind? Can you imagine if you were blind? Can you imagine if you couldn't walk? God, thank you for my toes. Thank you for my feet. Thank you for hands. Like, I could play guitar. I could, you know, give my wife a foot massage. Like, what, like, just the millions of things that you could think of to be grateful for. Think about it. And then in that moment, thank God for those things. The third thing I want to give you is show and tell others. Show and tell uh, your gratitude to other people. I think it's super easy in a topic like this. I want you all to leave here and hopefully acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. I want you to go and, and write to the Lord and say all the things that he has provided in your life. But there's something amazing that happens when you begin to express all that's welling up within you or even if it's not welling up within you and it's just like one thing, you know, just to express that to another person. It's always an amazing moment, especially with kids, when you're just getting frustrated with them. And you're just like, I need a break. Like, eat the food, Tina. You know, it, but it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing when you say to your kids, you look them in the eye and you go, oh, I just lost my, my earring here. Um, you look at them and you go, I'm just glad you're alive. Thank you. Thank you for being you. And your kids usually go, well, what, what's the big deal about that? I'm like, you have, are you serious? Like, it's the biggest deal. You're you. And I love you and thank you. But when you begin expressing to people around you all the things, like, just pay attention to the things people do in your life and tell them. And I got to tell you, I have felt tremendously expressed through the gracious gifts that you gave us during Pastor Appreciation Month. Like, I literally worked here a week, so I didn't deserve it, but you guys are just amazing how you express gratitude. Do me a favor, keep doing that with each other. Husbands, do that with your wives. Wives, do that with your husbands. Parents, do that with your kids. Grandmas and grandpas, do that with everybody, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> express gratitude. But I want to read you a story that I think kind of lands the plane on this topic, and I think kind of shows us, because again, I think perspective is everything. And I think 
this idea that we can acknowledge the Lord and we can thank the Lord in all things is theory until it becomes practice. But I want to give you an example of a time and a situation where it was way bigger than practice and it was really it was really the only thing holding these people together. But has anybody ever heard of Cory Ten Boom before? Yeah, yeah the hiding place. Yeah. So Cory Ten Boom uh, and her sister Betsy, they, they were Christians who lived during World War II and they were Dutch and they helped um, harbor Jews from the Nazis uh, and eventually they were caught and they were thrown into Ravensbrück, which is a concentration camp. And what they experienced was some of the worst treatment at the hands of human beings that anybody could go through. What they endured was impossible. Um, uh, Corey ended up living. Betsy ended up dying in Ravensbrück. But in the process of living through this hell on earth, they were able, through the help of God, to get a copy of the Bible. And they realized how precious this gift was. And they would study this Bible in their barracks. The women would gather, huddle together, and they would study it. And one day, um, as they were praying and reading, it hit Betsy like a ton of bricks. They were reading 1 Thessalonians 5. And Betsy said, I get it. And here's what she read that clicked it for her. It said, comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And Betsy, she believed that. And so she stopped with the women right there in the barracks, and she said to Corey, she said, Let's thank God for all the things he's given us, even here, even in this circumstance. And so she stopped and she said, God, thank you. Thank you that you've given us each other, these women here, that we can huddle together and they thank God together. And then she said, and God, thank you that you've given us the, the copy of your word that we can study. That's a, it's a miracle that we were able to get this. God, thank you. And they all agreed and said, thank you. And then Betsy said, and God, thank you for the fleas. Thank you for the fleas, God. And it, and it says in the book that Corey just couldn't, she couldn't agree to that. No, no. I'm not gonna, why would I ever thank God for fleas? Why? And she just couldn't understand it. Um, she just thought that was her sister just being her sister. And she said, Betsy, there's no way God can make me grateful for a flea. There's no way. But Betsy corrected her sister, and it said, like I said earlier, God's not bluffing. Give thanks and all circumstances. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of the place where God has put us. They're part of us. So I'm going to thank God for it. And still, Corey went away. She just went away. And she, I don't get it. Until one day, right before Betsy died, she was dying at this point. And she was suffering. And this is what Betsy told her sister. When it clicked, it says, she said, you know, We've never understood why we had so much freedom in this big room. Referring to the barracks where they were sleeping. Well, I found out. This afternoon, there was confusion in my knitting group about sock sizes, so we asked the supervisor to come in and settle it, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And do you know why they wouldn't step through the door? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice as she exclaimed, 
because of the fleas. That's what she said. The place is crawling with fleas. Corey's mind raced back to their first hour in the barracks, and she remembered Betsy bowing her head and thanking God for creatures that Corey could not find a useful. And I just say that because I think we all have a lot of fleas in our life. We have a lot of things that are really, really painful and difficult, and they don't make sense. But I think in God, in Christ, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean into acknowledging Him, and He will make your path straight.